family, my name is Ashley and this is what's going on at the Hill. For those visiting in person today, feel free to stop by our I'm New wall located in the lobby. We would love to meet you and get connected. We even have a gift for you. SCC Kids, next Thursday, August 2nd from 6 to 8 p.m., SCC Kids is hosting a summer block party. Come on out and join us on the front patio to celebrate the end of summer. Bring the kids and get to know other families. Down in your calendar, Rock the Hill is coming up next Saturday, August 5th. We are coming together as a church family. There will be no Thursday or Sunday services that week, so the first service is that Saturday. There will be something for the whole family, and the fun starts at 4 p.m. A meal will be provided at 5.30, followed by our worship service at 7. Feel free to bring your canopy and bag chairs for an evening of worship. If you have a child or student moving up to the next level, Transition Week is August 13th. Pathways event is happening August 15th at 6 p.m. This is our process for seeking membership. The process includes these three steps. Step one, salvation and membership. Step two, discipleship. Step three, involvement and stewardship. Every day, God is changing lives. Join me in celebrating the baptisms that happened this week. real quick and we're going to worship the Lord today.
You said your love would never give up. You said your grace is always enough. You said your heart would never forget or forsake me. You said I'm saved. You call me yours. You said my future's full of your own. You've never always enough you said your heart would never forget or forsake me you said I'm saved you said I'm saved you call me yours you said my future's full of your hope you've never failed We had a cookout after church, and uh, I don't even know really what sparked the conversation about baptism and accepting the Lord as our Savior, but the conversation sparked up, and before we knew it, we had four people that was wanting to be baptized this week. So, so I'll, I'll get one of them. Who wants to go first? Come on, Austin. Go first. <laughs> so this is Austin Hawkins. Austin Hawkins um, is my niece's boyfriend. He's been with the family for a little while now. And uh, honestly, he was the biggest shock for me when he stood up and said so. So, I, you know, it's just a great thing to hear him say that this is how he wants to change his life and start changing his life for the better. So you ready? Repeat after me. I believe. I believe. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Son of the living God. Son of the living God. And I accept him. I accept him. To be my personal Lord and Savior. What did you just say? To be my personal Lord and Savior. Be my personal Lord and Savior. And Austin, because of your confession, I'm now going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of eternal life. This is Jamie Woosley. She is my father's sister-in-law, sister of Jessica. And she also was really the first one that to kind of get the conversation going and gave a lot of strength and courage to the other ones. 
So, Jamie, you ready? Mm-hmm. I believe. I believe. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Son of the living God. Son of the living God. And I accept him. And I accept him. To be my personal Lord and Savior. To be my personal Lord and Savior. And Jamie, because of your confession, I'm now going to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins and gift of eternal life. This is Cyan Walker. She is going to be my stepsister eventually, and uh, Cyan's 15 years old, and we've been giving her a little crap back here as we've been coming to church. She's, so she finally said that she was just really nervous, but she's found a strength to her aunt and everything to go ahead and get this done today. So you ready, Cyan? I believe. I believe. Jesus is the Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Son of the living Son God. Son of the living God. And I accept and him. And I accept him. To be my personal to Lord and Savior. To be my personal Lord and Savior. Because of your confession, <laughs> I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins and gift of eternal life. One more. This is Madison Meadows. She's my niece. And um, Madison years ago was baptized, but... She was very young and doesn't really remember it. And she and Austin being together just kind of want to do this together and be something that she'll remember more and make it more personal for herself. So you ready, Manny? I believe. I believe. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Son of the living God. Son of the living God. And I accept him. I accept him. To be my personal Lord and Savior. To be my personal Lord and because Savior. Because of your confession, I'm now going to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for the forgiveness of your sins and gift of eternal life. Praise the Lord. You know, the Word of God says that if one comes to eternal life through Jesus Christ, all of heaven rejoices. How much is heaven rejoicing today with all... With and that's just not here. That's what's happening all around the world, amen? Oh, it's awesome to be back. Some of you that are new, uh, I wasn't here last week, but that's okay. Uh, I was uh, on vacation, had a great week, and uh, just glad to be back. My battery's refreshed. And, um, you know, I just there's something about being in the house of the Lord with God's family that can, it just can't be replaced by anything. There's uh, just just an element of coming together and worship the one true God. And we're about to take communion as we do each and every week. And we have stations in the back and the front on the sides. We're about to take up offering. We don't actually pass a bucket. We have some, some boxes here. So if you feel led, uh, you know, just drop something in that slip. And uh, it's going to, to uh, just, I mean, the gospel's getting spread all around the world. And uh, as you can see, the flags are up here. You know, we support the missions. And, um, but we just want to take up, uh, you know, just a few seconds here of the service. And I want you to pray with me. And, but, you know, just before we pray, Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And we have eternal life through Jesus Christ. And we have a covenant with him that he will never break. Amen. So would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, this 
a sacred time, Lord, where we can come and we can break bread together. And we can take that little cup of juice and a little piece of bread. And Lord, you said, as often as we do this, remember what I paid for you and that I love you. I've given you my only son. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We love you today, Lord. As we come, Lord, we pray that you would just penetrate our hearts, Lord, with your love, your mercy, and your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
get the button the right way. User error on my part, baby. I knew you could do it. I knew you could do it. Hey, let me tell you, God's doing stuff. God's doing stuff. Y'all weren't here Thursday night, but Thursday night we had a young lady who's a neighbor to the CISC, at least for the summer, because she's in from college and started coming here with her grandmother over the summer, and last Sunday after service, she just just couldn't get past that she wanted to be baptized. So she came back Thursday night, we baptized her, she left for college uh, to go get ready for another soccer season on Friday, God's doing stuff. And, and today... Today, man, my bro over here, that's nine. I'm, I don't know if you're counting, but I'm counting. That's nine this year, man. Welcome. <laughs> so I might as well say, welcome our new minister of evangelism, Josh Moore. All right? Hey, but here's what I was just thinking while we were singing. Any of you guys got family members that need to accept Jesus? Here's what you need to do. You need to have a cookout and invite Josh and Leisha. And, and that done all right man god is up to stuff and it is so 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 cool and i just can't wait because i do it again do it again god i hope this service do it again do it later this morning just keep doing it over and over and over again and see what god is going to do to change lives we started this new series last week that we call we're calling vital signs of a healthy church and we're kind of unpacking the thing that we say at the end of every service you know go love god love people watch him change the world okay and, and so last week we talked about what it looked like okay if we're supposed to love god what's that look like how do we how do we do that how do we love god and we talked about is the things that that are in the great commandment the the jesus was asked what's the greatest one is it love the lord your god with all your what all your heart with all your soul with all your strength with all your mind and if we do those things then we're really loving god so the second one the second one that we're going to dig into this week is love people what does that really look like i mean i mean it's one of those things that people People want to say, you just need to love people. You just need to love people. You just need to be kind. Well, if we're not careful with how we love, we can love some people to death. And not in the way that your grandmama used to talk about, I just love you to death. We can enable people in their sinful actions, and their sinful lifestyle. We can literally love someone to death if we don't love them right. So how do we, and that's what we want to talk about today, how do we love someone and in the Old Testament, Micah said, we need to act justly. We need to show mercy. And we need to walk humbly with the Lord. So here's, here's what I want to do. I want to dig in. Get your Bibles out or your phone or your tablets. Get the Bible, okay? And, and get ready because we're going back to the Gospel of Luke. Get your notepad or notes on your phone. Or if you didn't remember, 
If you didn't remember that there are outlines available out at the out at the front desk, they just happen to also be up here on the front of the stage. So, Alan, could I get you and Will? Could I, you all grab some of those? And if you want an outline, this is the last week we're giving you the break on not picking up your own. All right. So, if you want one of these, raise your hand. These guys will bring you one. If not, we're going to roll right on. Okay. But we're going to start reading in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter five. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 18. I want to tell you this story. One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees, Pharisees, you know what that is? People who thought they were better than everybody else religiously. They they followed the rules. Some Pharisees and teachers of religious law, that's like the guy last week, were sitting nearby while he's teaching. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem, and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. So they're watching, they're watching, they're watching what's going on. Then check out verse 18. Suddenly some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him into Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up on the roof and took off some tiles. Now, that, you get a picture there, but you really don't get the accurate picture. I love the way Mark's gospel tells this particular line of it. In Mark's gospel, it says they went up on the roof and started tearing a hole in the roof. So I, we, I just want to make sure we understand what's going on here and we get this picture. All right, there, there wasn't a church like this. There wasn't a nice place with air conditioning and lights and sound and cushion chairs and all that. No, they would meet in a house. And when I'm talking a house, I'm talking about a house that's maybe twice the size of this little stage here, all right? Twice the size of the stage I'm standing on. And it was made of like mud and thatch and that kind of stuff. And so when it says that they tore a hole in the roof, now, some of you have heard me talk about this before, but it's one of my favorite stories. You've got to get this picture in your mind. You've got to get the picture in your mind that you're inside the house already. You were one of the lucky ones. You got there earlier. You had inside intel that told you Jesus was going to be there. So you're in, you got inside when nobody else could get inside. And so you're inside the house, and Jesus is teaching and talking, and suddenly you start seeing these specks of something falling down in front of Jesus. It's because these dudes are up on the roof doing all they can do and they're just pounding on the roof, just pounding on the roof. And so that mud starts to loosen and starts to fall. And imagine sitting there, huh, wonder what that is. Wonder what's going on right now. And then the flakes start getting bigger. And then the flakes turn into chunks. And then all of a sudden, there's a hole in the roof. It's about the size of a man's fist. And then all of a sudden, there are other sets of hands grabbing through that hole and pulling away. But you got to get the They didn't just get a fist-sized hole. They got a hole big enough that they could lower their friend down to Jesus. I don't know how big dude was. Let's just say, let's pretend he's... Five, six, and only weighs a buck forty or what? That's still a big hole, right? That's still a big hole that they got to have to lower this guy down to Jesus, okay? Then they lowered the sick man on his mat into the crowd right in front of Jesus. And you talk about loving people. 
Is there anybody in your life right now that you love enough that you would carry them on a mat to a place that they could get healed and you would use your own hands to pound a hole in the roof and then you would use your strength to lower them down in front of someone that could heal them? Talk about love your friends, love people. And seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law said to him, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. <laughs> what they still couldn't grasp is that was, <laughs> that was God in flesh standing right in front of them. <laughs> and because it was, Jesus knew what they were thinking. And so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, all right, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And I love this last verse, immediately, immediately. You can just imagine this guy just jumping immediately. As everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. When was the last time you left here and went home or went in the parking lot and got on your phone and started calling everybody you knew and said, you would not believe what happened today? You, you, it, it better be here in about 30 minutes. Just saying. They were astonished at what happened. Now, don't miss this. Don't miss this because this is where this... Physical healing is important. Physical healing is important. This guy had a problem, right? He's lame. He can't walk. We don't know why. We don't know how, but he's, he can't walk. And so physical healing is important. But any physical healing that happens here on planet Earth is temporary at best. What's really important and what's critical is spiritual healing. And that's why the people come in contact with, we, the people we come in contact with, they've got issues. Some of them are embarrassing, but they still desperately need Jesus. They still desperately need Jesus. Now, right now, don't raise your hand and especially don't point right now. But do you know anyone who needs Jesus, but they're different? They're different. They're different because of the way they look. They're different because of what they do, how they act. Some have physical issues like this guy. Maybe, maybe it's just because they're a really messed up sinner that needs Jesus. Guess what? Every person on planet Earth that I love and that I care about as a really messed up, jacked up sinner. Because we all are. We all are. And, and as messed up as they are, as we are, God still loves us. But here's what you gotta understand. God loves us where we are and as we are, but he's not willing to leave us as we are. That's what we gotta understand. Doesn't matter how, how far away you think you've got. God loves you in that, but he's not willing to let you stay in that. 
Problem is, a lot of people in our world today want to say, okay, I, I, need, I need to make sure. And so they look at church, or they look at the accepting Christ, they look at baptism as a, as a spiritual insurance policy. You know, just in case that heaven-hell stuff that the big bald guy keeps talking about, just in case that's real, I want to make sure I'm covered. So I'm going to give my life, I'm going to get baptized, and then I'm going to go on doing what I've been doing. God loves you enough that he loves you in spite of what's going on, but not enough to leave you there. Do you remember the woman that they brought to Jesus, or that Jesus ran into and met in John chapter 4? He's going through the countryside and got thirsty, needed a drink, pulls up to a well. There's a lady sitting there getting water. He says, can I have a drink? And they start this conversation about living water and real water. Jesus drinks. They sit there and they talk some more. And then here it comes. You ready for it? Some of you know what happened. He says, hey, why don't you go get your husband? And we'll talk some more. She said, I don't don't have a husband. And then then Jesus, like, I know. You've had five. And the guy that you're living with now is not your husband. Busted. You know, in that moment, what's she going to do? And Jesus is going to go get the guy. And they do, and they talk. And suddenly she realizes this guy knows everything about me and he still loves me and he still offers me hope. He offers me living water. He offers me salvation. And the Bible even tells us she not only went back and got her husband, the whole town is converted because of what she saw in the way that Jesus loved her as she was, but wouldn't leave her in that state. You remember the woman they brought to Jesus in John chapter 8, four chapters over? John chapter 8, Jesus walking through town and these guys bring this woman. This woman they bring to Jesus is buck naked except for a sheet because they've caught her in the very act of adultery with a dude. Now that in of itself is weird, freaky, like who does that? Like, but apparently, here's what that tells us. They knew, they knew who to watch. Because apparently this wasn't the first time this woman had done this. They knew who to watch. They may have even put her up to it so they could catch her. But at any rate, you've got this picture. Just imagine it happening right here. Jesus is teaching and all of a sudden these guys come in from the back with this woman that's screaming, covered only in bed sheet. And they throw her at the feet of Jesus and they got a stone in the other hand. Because in that day and time, in that culture, legally, legally, they had every right to stone her to death. They weren't judging her. The judgment had already been passed. See, that's what today people are like, you can't judge me. Like, well, there's a lot of stuff in here. Judgment's already been passed. You break certain laws in our community, judgment has already been passed. All that is left in doubt is guilt or innocence. And if you are caught in the very act of doing something, you're guilty. And she was. And so they had every right to stone her to death right there. But Jesus got down on the ground with her and started riding in the dirt. And then he told the guys, all right, do what you're going to do. But whichever one of you has never sinned, 
you throw the first stone. What do you think that woman's thinking? She's down on the ground, probably on all fours, head buried, waiting for the first stone to hit her. And suddenly, all she can hear is the... None of them are hitting her. But every man is dropping his stone because he realizes there's no innocence here. Finally, they're all gone. (laughs) So you've got this woman laying on the ground, a bunch of rocks all around her laying on the ground. But she's okay. And Jesus says, where are your accusers? She looks around and there's nobody except the two of them. He says, neither do I accuse you. Go on back and keep doing what you've been doing. Is that what he said? No. Jesus helped her up and said, all right, go on home and sin no more. Jesus loved her enough in that moment to save her life, but he didn't love her enough to let her keep doing. He didn't love her in a way that said, you keep doing. He loved her enough that said, you've got to change. We got friends, friends and family that really want a piece of Jesus. They just don't want to change. There she was, alive and well. Go and sin no more. See, Jesus constantly shows us how to love God, and he repeatedly showed us while he was here how to love people in spite of their circumstances. Jesus never told people, you just do you, it's okay. I'll make it okay with dad. <laughs> That's not what Jesus did. So a key, to, a key vital sign in a healthy church is loving messed up people. Loving messed up people. I want to paint big, a big sign on the back wall. I've wanted to do it for years. And then I realized that Planet Fitness had stole my thunder. I want to paint no perfect people allowed on the back walls of the church. Because that's what we're here for. None of us are. So we got to get those things in our mind so that we can know how to truly love other people. And and I think there's a couple of other places, a couple of scriptures that can give us some great insight. The the prophet Micah wrote these words in Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. He wrote, O Lord, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. This is what he requires of you. To do what is right, act justly. To show mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Then in the New Testament, a guy named Jude wrote a little letter. It's it's in the back. It's only one chapter. So we just talk about the verses, Jude 22 and 23. And he wrote, and you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the fires of judgment. Show mercy to still others and do so with great caution, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminated their lives. Let me give you three real quick things. We're out of here. How do we love people? First of all, do the right thing. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Let me ask you this. When do we do the right thing? All the time. All the time. When do we do the right thing? All the time. Sometimes though, it's, it's hard to know what the right thing is. Hard to know. These four guys in our story we read had a friend that they deeply cared for and they heard that this guy Jesus could heal people. So immediately they knew they had to get their friend in front of Jesus. But they couldn't just tell the guy, hey, 
hey, there's a dude in the next town over. And what we hear is if you can get there, he can heal you. They, they couldn't do that. That wasn't the right thing. But, but they couldn't call an ambulance to take him or an Uber or a Lyft or anything like that. So they picked up this guy on a mat and carried him. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how far they carried him, all right? But I'm telling you, I don't care how big the man is. You got a body that's just like dead weight. You carry him from here to the back of the auditorium and you've had some work cut out for you. So they carried their friend to go find Jesus. Then they get to the house and there's Jesus inside speaking. The house is full. Said, oh, man, good try. We got to go. We got to go. No, they, they couldn't just go home. And they certainly couldn't just leave him there. So these guys, look what they did. Look what they did. They climbed up on the roof and turned into vandals. That's what they did. I mean, you go home today, all of a sudden, somebody starts tearing a hole in your roof. You're going to pick up the phone and dial three numbers, right? You're going to get them there as quick as you can. Excuse me, Lee, get ready. I told Lee if I got choked up, he was here Thursday, he knows this. <coughs> so they climbed up on the roof and became vandals. They tore a hole in the roof. You know, I hear churches talking about sometimes. I mean, man, our worship today was off the hook, man. We were raising the roof in worship day. I wonder what it would look like if churches stopped raising the roof and started tearing the roof off. So they could get their friends to Jesus. Greg O'Shell preaches in one of the largest churches in the world, down in, <coughs> excuse me, in Oklahoma City. And they broadcast online to hundreds of thousands every, every week. One of their core values that they have painted on the wall of their lobby says, we will do anything short of sinning to reach people with the gospel. Anything short of sinning. See, here's what healthy churches do. Healthy churches do whatever it takes because they love God, they love people. And all this comes from God's command to love your neighbor. And that started all the way back in the Old Testament. Last week we looked at the book of Leviticus in chapter 19 and verse 18. And, and there Moses wrote the word, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite but love your neighbor as yourself I am the Lord I'm the one who says this Jesus told the Jewish leaders you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength the second commandment is really important as well equally important love your neighbor as yourself no other commandment is greater than these and then in his very very first sermon what we call the sermon on the mount Matthew chapter 5 6 and 7 in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says this, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. you know, we call it the golden rule now. It, it, it's, it's that special. There, there's a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of times kids go back to school this fall and they might get into early grades, they might get in the classroom and teachers might be doing a really good thing and teaching them, do unto others, treat other people the way you want to be treated, do unto others. And they don't even know that was Jesus. <laughs> You know, they've worked so hard at getting, getting God out of the public schools. <laughs> People quoting the golden rule as if somebody, some great Benjamin Franklin or somebody thought of, no, doing to others is as you would have them do to you. That's, that's Jesus. How we treat others is critically important to God. 
Because there's a lot of people in our lives that have not yet accepted Jesus. I was sort of thinking of it that way. Not that they've not accepted Jesus, just that they've not yet accepted Jesus. And how we treat them has a lot to do with if they ever will. Or there's a lot of other people who have accepted him and walked away from him, not because of Jesus or not because of Christ, but because of Christians. Because of how we act. Now, those people still need to get over that church hurt and realize it wasn't God, it was people. Because the bottom line is, you know, I don't want to go to church with a bunch of hypocrites. I'd, I'd rather go to church with them than go to hell with them. Come on, church. Do we love people enough to do the right thing? That's where it starts. Act justly. Do the right thing. The second is to make sure that we don't just say we love you, that we show mercy. I really think that there, this is where the teaching of Jude is so powerful. I think it's so powerful what we read from Jude, that you must show mercy even to those who are waving. Because we've got to understand that Jude, that wrote this little postcard of a book in the back of the New Testament, Jude was a half-brother to Jesus. Joseph and Mary were Jude's mom and dad. And just like James, who was the same, he didn't believe Jesus was who he said he was until after the resurrection. As kids growing up, James and Jude saw Jesus and heard things like, well, when I stayed behind the temple and we had turned around and walked all the way back and we got there and we thought dad was going to wear you out and all you said was, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business and you got to buy? You know, James and Jude weren't cool with that when they were growing up. It was after the resurrection that they realized Jesus was who he said he was. He hadn't believed his brother until after the resurrection. But then he became a leader in the church. Jude knew mercy. He had experienced mercy and so in these two short verses, he shows us what mercy looks, looks like. You must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering, rescuing them by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. Look what Jude says there. First thing he says you're going to do, you want to, you want to just show love, show mercy, well, you know some people out there that are struggling. You need to go snatch them from the fire. You need to go in and get them. You need to go in and get them out. Invite them to walk with you. These friends snatched their friend up out of the fire of his infirmity and took him and put him at the feet of Jesus. Now, for us to do that today with people who don't need to be carried but just live in a way that they're struggling, it's hard. So we've got to invite them to something that looks like something they want. And so we've got to be willing to, to, to see people and say, here, why don't you follow me as I follow Christ? And that's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 1. You follow me as I follow Christ. We'll, we'll do this together. It's impossible for someone to follow you to a place that you are not going. You've got to show the way. It's critically important as we love people that we are living in a way that shows them, first of all, that we love God. 
that doesn't enable their sinful lifestyle, but that means we've got to walk in the truth and stand on the truth. And then sometimes, I'm just going to be honest, sometimes that means having some tough conversations. Some tough, tough conversations. Because sometimes you're going to see people that you care deeply for. And you know that the things that they're doing in their life and that they want to keep on doing in life, you know they don't line up with who God is. And what Jesus told us to do, we want to accept him. And so you got to have those tough conversations. The man to man is like, come on, dude, you can't live like that. You can't keep doing that. You keep doing that. And something really bad's going to happen. I'm not talking about here, but you, you've only got a short time. I, I did the funeral yesterday for my 97-year-old aunt. 97 years. Man, I'm pretty sure I don't want to make it that long. I get tired thinking about it. But 97 years seems like so long. And in eternity, it's a mist. It's like over over it's a wrap so we got people that are doing things that that they really want to do that they think is okay i don't care what the bible says i'm doing me if it feels good do it i'm gonna live this way i'm gonna do these things and they don't understand that okay you do those things and enjoy yourself enjoy yourself for this season but there's a season that's coming that lasts forever and you want to be in the right location when that season comes and if you care about them, I mean really care about them. Oh, I, I, I love them too much to say that. No, you don't love them enough to say that. Because if you love them enough, you can't help but say that. You can't help but call them on their things because otherwise they're going to keep doing what they've been doing. And when they do that, guess what? They're going to keep getting what they've been getting. And it's not good and it's not pretty. It's tough being in those situations but if we're going to love God and love people we got to snatch them out of fire and we got to stand on truth that's the second thing we got to stand on truth Galatians chapter 6 verse 1 and 2 says dear brothers and sisters if another believer is overcome by sin you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path but be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself you see, there are people that have accepted it and they, they stray away, they fall away, maybe they never even knew them. But you've got to go find them and snatch them, but you've got to stand on the truth and be careful for the things. And see, think of it this way. It's one thing to go into a bar and rescue your friend, get them out. It's another thing to go belly up to the same bar. I'll just hang out with them. I'll just hang out with them. Build, we'll build a relationship. Yeah, what you'll build are two alcoholics. That's what you'll build. Because you, you, you put yourself in those same situations, you're going to do the same thing. I, I know parents and spouses that are losing their mind because of a person that they care deeply about that's an alcoholic. And yet in their house, they have a beer or a glass of wine or a drink every night in front of that person. And they say, you can't do this. What? How much do you love them? Or maybe, how much do you hate them not to be willing to change yourself so that they might change? You see, do as I say, not as I do, is not a good method for showing mercy. It's not a good method. Jude said, 
Go in the message translation of Jude 23, it says, go easy on those who hesitate in the faith. Go after those who take the wrong way. Be tender with sinners, but not so soft on sin that the sin itself stinks to high heavens. Standing on the truth means we, give, we don't give people a pass because they've had a hard life. Oh, so-and-so, man, it just feels so bad for them. They, they've had something that came from a broken home and it's just so hard. Like, okay, I get it, but guess what? We've all got stuff. And standing on the truth doesn't mean you give people a pass because they've had a hard life. Just because you've been abused in the past by sinners doesn't mean you can step outside of God's truth and fall into sin yourself. No. Let's go. Let's get this right. Can I quit living as a victim? Because guess what? Every one of us in here is a victim of sin. Not a one of us were in the Garden of Eden, but we're all victims of the Garden of Eden, Right? And so we got to figure out how to move on, how to move on. So we act justly, we do the right thing, we, we show mercy, we, we don't just talk love, we show love, and then we walk humbly with God. Let me finish with this. I love how our story ends up here. Luke says that at the end of it, immediately everyone, who? Everyone that was there in the room, everyone watched. And the man jumped up and picked up his mat and went home praising God. And everyone was gripped with fear, was gripped with great wonder and awe. And they praised God, exclaiming, We have seen some stuff today. We've seen some amazing stuff. See, what, what I want you to notice in that last verse there is that it wasn't just the man that was changed. All right? That guy was changed. He came in on a mat through the ceiling and he walked out through the front door. All right? That's a change. The, the, the man was changed. But it wasn't just the man that was changed. His friends were strengthened and changed. And the people that were just there in the room, they were strengthened and changed. When we have been changed, we can't help but walk with God. When we have been changed, we can't help but walk with God. And sometimes we don't understand the change. But we recognize the change. John chapter 9, there's a great story. There's this guy that's there that's blind and Jesus comes along and just interaction and basically Jesus heals the guy. He, all of a sudden he was blind. He's like, now he can see. And people recognize that and they see that and then they start questioning the guy about who Jesus was and who do you think he was. And I love the guy's response in verse 25. Listen, I don't know whether or not that man's a sinner. Here's what I know. Here's what I got. I was blind, now I can see. End of story. He recognized the change, even if he didn't understand completely the change. He recognized the change, and everyone recognized that something had changed. So let me ask you this, do people recognize a change in you? Anyone here ever been spiritually blind? And then you got sight, and all of a sudden things make sense. Do people recognize that change in you? Let me put it this way. If on the way home today you were arrested and accused of being a follower of Jesus, would there be enough evidence to convict you? We got to live the way we say we believe. Last week I was, I was in my quiet time and reading through the New Testament this summer and and in Matthew 26, 
there's the story of where Jesus told Peter he was going to die. And most of us know the story. And Peter said, no way, no way. In fact, exactly what Peter said in, in verse 35 of Matthew 26 is, no, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And then we know what happened. Before the night was over, before the rooster crowed three times in the morning, three different times Peter had denied him. And man, we give Peter, so, well, how could you do that? We probably thought, well, how in the world? I would never do that. How could, how could he possibly do that? But I want to read the rest of the verse for you because I read this just a couple of weeks ago and in 62 years, I never noticed it. Never noticed it. The rest of verse 35, Jesus, Peter says to Jesus, no, even if I had to die with you, I will never deny you. And the rest of the verse says, and all the other disciples vowed the same thing. They all denied him. And they, 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 they scattered, they were gone. How many times have we denied him? How many times have we walked away? How many times have we seen a situation that we knew we needed to inject Jesus into and Jesus wanted us to be the person to do the injection and we just walked away? I don't want to get involved. No, no. So the bottom line is a question today. Do you love God and love people enough to act justly, to show mercy, and to walk humbly with the Lord? God, thanks for loving us. Thanks for giving us an example of that love when you sent Jesus. Not when we got perfect, not when we got it right, but while we were still sinners, you sent Jesus. And God, we thank you for that. Thank you so much for that. And God, if there are, there's someone here today that needs to do exactly what Natalie did Thursday night, Jamie and Austin, Madison, Sian did this morning. God, would you give them the courage to talk to someone before they leave here today? In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you guys stand up? If you need to talk to someone about that decision, Bobby and Jason are both standing there, Dennis in the room, Kim and I are in here. We'd love to talk to you about it. Don't leave here today. Do not leave here today without getting it right with Jesus. And let's do that while we worship.
things going on right now I need to let you know about really quickly this mission trip we're talking about over fall break the going back to Guatemala working on some more houses and things like that it is for everyone it's not just there'll be some students going but it's an everyone trip and Matt is out in the lobby and you can find out more about that right now the dates are October the 6th through the 14th but it is does involve physical labor okay so understand that before you get on a plane and head to third world country in you need to know that, all right? The second thing is, on the video, the announcement about the block party, everything was right except it's Thursday. It's Wednesday instead of Thursday. Wednesday night, August the 2nd, not Thursday, okay? Uh, don't forget, next Sunday morning, if you show up in here, you missed it. We ain't going to be here. No worship Thursday night, no worship Sunday we're having a massive combined back to school, rock the hill, worship, picnic, Saturday afternoon over on the athletic field. We're going to be praying for the kids and for the teachers. We're going to have games. We're going to have uh, the picnic and then we'll have worship at 7 o'clock and we're out of here. So remember that next week and then we'll be back here. And finally, because we're not having worship here on Thursday night, I want to meet Thursday night at 7 o'clock out in the lobby with any of you men that would like to help play excuse me, help plan the Uncommon Conference. It's September 29th and 30th. we got to make plans about booths, about games, about food, about fun stuff. And so Thursday night at 7 o'clock, I'll meet out in the lobby. If anybody wants to help be on that, uh, whatever, whatever area you want to help out with, that'd be awesome, all right? Now, you know what time it is, right? Get out of here. Go love God. You know how to do that. Go love people. You know how to do that next weekend we're going to talk about watching them change the world we'll see you guys